0: Pitch Deck Asia. Your story, your words. We're on. We are in the Pitch Media Asia studio here in Singapore. My name's Graham Brown, joined by Sam Gibb. Sam, welcome back.
1: Hey, thanks for having me again, Graham.
0: It's good to have you here. You're looking well. You're looking like slim down and lean and keen. What's the story?
1: Yeah, yeah apparently. Oh, We've just you know, been spending a bit of time at the gym and being kind of focused, focused on endeavor and as a result of that i've i guess been skipping a few meals and yeah just been slowing down a
0: bit i I think you're looking well you're looking good vibrant vibrant i think you have to be vibrant i mean you you are the, the public face of the vc world many people might know you as an angel investor but you also have an early stage fund endeavor which you've been busy setting up and uh you know the purpose of this show today is to really put a face to people from that world as well, and maybe give a bit of advice to startup founders. So, you know, we're going to try some new things today. So we're going to try new formats for investors. And and do appreciate you coming on and taking a bit of a risk with this format as well, Sam. So, you know, none of this is rehearsed, by the way, everybody. So what Sam's going to do in the next 40 minutes is completely unrehearsed. It's raw and authentic. You feel game for it?
1: Yeah, I'm fired up. (laughs)
0: let's do it (laughs) all right okay so to get us started to get us into the groove i've got a bit of a a quick fire round you cool with that i'm going to ask you some rapid questions which are unrehearsed unrehearsed you haven't seen any of these questions before right and i want to try and because i think the key here is that angel investors early stage vcs have a very human face and we want to get that out we want to sort of build that brand a little bit in the community so startups can understand who they are and what they are, and how they think, and so on. So Sam Gibb, are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so I'm going to ask you a rapid-fire question. If you, you know, waffle on, I'm going to cut you off, okay? So be clear and precise. I know you're a man who have very few words sometimes. You like to give it direct. Simon Cowell of the startup community, are you ready? Yep. Okay, let's do it. Explain your industry to a five-year-old.
1: Well, this isn't very quick now is it it's
0: a deep <laughs> answer <laughs> what does a vc Basically, do
1: yeah backing backing ideas
0: what does that uh, mean daddy what's a, what's a, what's an idea what's backing mean
1: helping great people do great things superb i like that
0: are you a coffee drinker no you don't drink any
1: nah nah i just messes with me too much i'm too sensitive to it so i have a coffee well, any anytime around midday and i'm up for the rest of the night i'm like just, that
0: 12 yeah. o'clock's the cut off. yeah yeah it seems to be like i mean everybody in the startup world drinks like crazy amounts of coffee don't they
1: yeah so i ended up cutting it out i'll go with a tea every now and then but yeah too much caffeine
0: just it just doesn't sit well you're quite mellow when, when it comes I'm, to caffeine. i think
1: i'm highly enough strung anyway
0: yeah Exactly. Now you you're you've got a daughter, right? Yeah. How old is she?
1: Just had her first first F- birthday yeah.
0: Fantastic. What has she taught you?
2: Probably that.
1: Actually, recently. So on the weekend, as I was scared because. I just asked her, do you want to go for a swim? I don't know if she knew what I was talking about or not. She nods. Yep. And whereabouts are your togs? Boom, points out the window to the to the chair where her, her togs are hanging out drying. I was like, Jesus Christ, she can understand absolutely everything we're saying now. So that that part
0: of me was scared. Well, I think, in what way? That you might say too much? or?
1: Oh, she's going to swear like a sailor. That's
0: <laughs> what I'm worried about this podcast. <laughs> You have, a, you have history, by the way, when yeah. it comes to swearing on podcasts.
1: Yeah, but she's... But me, and also just the nature versus nurture thing. The, the thing I, I've noticed the most about her is she had such a strong personality from the start. Mm. And that's only grown stronger over time. I don't... From what I've heard when I've talked to other people who have had multiple children, there's, there's definitely a massive nature element in it. And there, there's, there's some inherent qualities in people's uh, personalities uh and i i i think that's true maybe in applying that into the, the startup world then maybe sometimes lipid yeah you know, they can't change their spots yeah so depending on how you're working with it it's yeah it's, it's really important getting the right people
0: does it change like how you deal with people i mean i've got a boy he's yeah. 13 now and i think after having him changed a lot about how i dealt with people i was a lot more i was a sort of like trying to be the super successful ceo building a big company you know like a big sort of army of workers under me and after i had him it was like i'm less interested in those things i just want to do stuff that i really care about now i think i don't know if that yeah. was just age anyway yeah
1: but. no but this is there's there's two things that i've seen consistently like listening to you know or reading his books whatever mm. f- through various interviews with different people it's and those two things are well, one no one no one's ever died and said i wish i didn't spend more time with family right yeah. like so you you're always better off spending more time with family that's that's one thing I truly believe, and the other thing is, every you know, whenever anyone's asked, "What would you tell yourself from if if you could go back ten years and talk to yourself, what would you tell yourself?" And it's like, "Don't worry, things will turn out all right." Yeah. That's 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 consistent across like everyone that I've seen. So it's something that's kind of sat with me too because yeah, I'm massively impatient generally hmm. and want to push you know, willing to put in the work, do, do whatever is required because I'm frustrated that I'm not where I want to be. I and mean, this this kind of goes to like process versus outcome goals as well. But largely it's just caused me to think about yeah, just, just trusting the process. So mm. there's a, the family element. and
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it makes me think hard about those kind of things is that, you know, it, it, like taking risks as well that you're not gonna die as a result of this in many of these decisions, right? It will work out okay. If you have the yeah. sort of the basic skills, you'll find you, you take a few blows, yeah, but well, this, you'll bounce
1: back, right? And this is this is Amazon's whole thing too, right? Like if it's a two-way door, go for it. Or if the, the cost is gonna be incremental, then sure, you you, you go for it, you've got to take chances. I think too many people don't take chances because they look at so many things in life as like a one-way door when it's yeah. not, it's yeah. it's two ways. And if you, if you can understand that, then yeah, you can you can give a heap more things a crack and lead a more fulfilling life.
0: Good. here, hear. We're getting philosophical in the first oh, I'm five minutes. Go, I'm going deep in this it's rapid fire. No, I love it. It's not even that rapid fire. I mean, no, come I'm on, you've got to hit me with them. <laughs> But I thought we've got to indulge a little bit. Do you yeah. read a lot? Yeah, heaps. What was the last book you read that you can remember? Oh, hatching
1: Twitter. I finished Hatching Twitter on the weekend. I, didn't, I hadn't really delved down into Who wrote that. The, I don't know.
0: It's funny, isn't it? You read these books and you forget who it's writes
1: them. Kindle, so I don't even look at the oh, exactly. author every time I yeah. pick it up. Yeah.
0: Um What was a book that really made an impact on you recently? Are you always reading business books? No. Book that made an impact on me. Did you oh, read uh, Tim Ferriss' latest one? Nah, it's too, it's too long. Men, he didn't, he did, he, he, I,
1: I don't feel like he really ended, edited it or, yeah. or broke it down. And then also, you've got the co- correlation versus causation argument. Like, are these people, you know, is their morning habit, does that actually make a difference or not? Or do they just have a morning habit? Yeah. Uh, has their morning habit evolved because they have become successful and they actually have the time to spend with family? Uh, you know, it's, I, I, I don't know if I, you know, are you going to be Mark Wahlberg getting up at three AM, go play around a round of golf, and and do that? Yeah. Is that going to make you more successful? Or Is that something that he's allowed to indulge in because he's got to that level? I, I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know if I believe in that so much. So, so, I, read, so I just dip in and out of a heap of different books. Mm. Um, Atomic Habits is all right, but that was kind of just going over things. That do, I do you forward. read
0: anything particularly about this region in Asia, like? AI superpowers by Kai-Fu Lee. I got that. Do you like? On it? the
1: weekend, I haven't actually gone to that yet.
0: I've been. I've started that. I mean, it, yeah. just in terms of case studies, it's phenomenal. I mean, going into sort of the early stages of China internet and like the kind of ruthlessness of the competition, like in 2010. You know, everybody says that these are sort of like the products of protectionist markets. These are like you know, gladi. He calls them like gladiatorial arenas where. You know, you put in five thousand clones and the best one emerges out of that, you know, and then ready to do battle mm-hmm. on the international scale. So
1: it's, that's always going to be better if you've got the competition there, right? Because then everyone's going to try and fight it out. And it's I guess that's what the what Singapore's trying to do now with the ecosystem generally, is trying to just encourage more startups yeah. to be here. Even if some of those guys are doing the same things. But it's like it it is the turtle
0: approach, right? The jungle. Yeah. The rule of jungle um what do people misunderstand most about vcs excluding what vcs think about each other what do you think when if you tell people you're a vc do you tend to get any sort of common misunderstandings about what you do
1: i think the biggest problem is in understanding that different different guys have different focus areas and a lot of a lot of a lot of entrepreneurs will just approach anyone and think that that capital is as good as this other person's capital or whatever mm. and that there's no difference between the VCs, no difference between stages and given it's very early in Asia so we haven't really had that kind of uh, differentiation, the, the segmentation start to evolve and, and like that's starting to happen though so was talking to a guy who's doing a hospitality tourism VC, there's, there's a couple of fintech VCs here and um, but it's not like there's SaaS or there's consumer tech VCs. It's, it's whereas the the market's just far deeper in, in other developed markets. So I think yeah, I think the biggest issue is people not really understanding how each of the different funds are positioned.
0: Right? So, do, do they have to be vertical specific? Because I know you don't focus on a particular vertical. You're more geographic or stage, aren't you? And yeah. Is is that a deliberate play? Because will that over time have to become vertical specific?
1: Well, ideally i would like to have been a bit more specific in the vehicles that i tackled uh but because there just aren't enough opportunities right. here which is why why there isn't that focus uh in the in the industry here
0: mm, mm, yeah but in time yeah with a bit more deal flow a bit more volume i think we'll get there won't we i mean if we're gonna i don't know i mean i don't know how it is if you look compare like for like say with silicon valley you know whether that everybody has uh, a sector there or you have people say I'm just going to focus on this round on this type of startup whether they're health tech or whether they're travel and tourism for example yeah
1: the reason I'm thinking about it though because I'm like I don't know how deep the industries can actually be and if, whether or not it can actually support that many different verticals here because you've got to think that for each of these companies or each of the verticals to be successful then you have to have a sufficient number of customers there and so maybe it, maybe it ends up making more sense to having more international vcs because Mm. this is and this is a trend that we've been seeing lately is a lot of the guys over in the us are getting sick of paying up for the valuations they can get into similar stage companies over here or they can actually be further along in the process for a far cheaper valuation because that valuation is typically going to be driven by the cost of living at the end of the day right if if it's really expensive for your engineers to live then you're going to have to pay them a higher wage and that's going to determine how much the company has to raise at the the earlier stages. So maybe maybe we end up seeing, yeah, more more geographic spread between more six specialized VCs.
0: Hmm. Yeah. So uh, talking of valuations, let's talk about Lao. Oh yeah. Do you want to go there? Yeah, I mean, sure, you, like yeah. that conversation about Lao. We're having a really interesting conversation off topic. I hear on reasonable authority that at one point you were an investor in every equity on the, the Lao Stock Exchange. True or yeah, false?
1: This is true. There were, there were two, yeah, two. <laughs> yeah, how
0: do you, how do you achieve that sort of moniker of you? You were like the whale of Laos. You were the.
1: I don't know if I would have classified myself as the whale of Laos, but I.
0: <laughs> how did it happen?
1: Actually, it was it was it was quite a funny story behind this too, because wh- one time I had some friends that were traveling through Asia, and they you know, were going by Vietnam up to Laos. So I went up to Laos, met them. I decided that I wanted to get involved with a bit more emerging market equities, uh, Laos Stock Exchange looked reasonable. At the time, there was, there was a bank and a hydroelectric company, one of which was paying a, you know, like a 15% dividend yield and the other one was trading like four times earnings. So I was like, this is this is, this is is super interesting. Uh, we'd had a big night out and then the next day I jumped in a tuk-tuk and I went to the exchange to open up the account. So like, you know, talking to the brokers and I had to have, a, a, I had a deposit. I remember I had a deposit 10 us dollars, but then 10. also 10 us <laughs> dollars to open the account. I was, I was like, really, is that it? Okay, sure. And then it actually took another two or three months to get the account open after that, because I'd stuffed up some of the paperwork, even though I'd done it, filled it out in front of them. And they, yeah, it was just, just the back and forth of that paperwork. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, it base it basically went nowhere. That that investment one went one doubled, the other halved, and I was just like oh, a okay, good I'll... experience. Though, Did, are you yeah. were
0: you influenced in any way by Jim Rogers, like investment? Buyer? Yeah, massively
1: actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. it would be interesting. I opened up an account in Sri Lanka, got one in there, uh, yeah Iran. Like, there's uh, it's just very hard to be able to do the research and take the risk. And
0: what is it about that? I mean, what, you know, for example, like investing in Laos you know, just I'm sure for you, it was, there's was a lot of sort of f- factors why you were doing it. You were just, there's a bit of excitement, maybe an adventure as well, obviously the return. But I think about like with Jim Rogers, an investment biker, he was into the emerging markets before people really started talking about it. He was in China before China was yeah. a thing, right? And even like Eastern Europe and the old Russia and so on, you know, that sort of attitude. That going there, not just sort of doing it remotely from behind the desk, actually going to these places, you know looking at what people are yeah. doing and so on, what was it for you? what were the drivers
1: oh that's that's what I like the most that 's what I like the most about uh, the, the hedge fund world previously was actually going there, talking to companies, like seeing what the landscape's like that's that's what I really enjoyed like actually getting my hands dirty and I remember one of my mentors back in new zealand we went to we went to see a company and the the CEO had given us a tour around, we go into the boardroom, big cushy seats, and da 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 and we're talking, we're kind of going over the financials and all this kind of stuff. We walk out, and the guy goes to me, he goes, do you see that? what, what, What are you talking about? He goes, he didn't say hi to any of the employees. I was like, oh yeah, so, like, nah, like, no, nah, leave it alone. Like it kind of read between the lines. Doesn't have a great relationship, mm. uh, and also just the way that the the place was laid out. It was it was more about like show status ego and less about actually getting the job done. And it, it actually kind of came to pass. So yeah, I, I yeah you know, I always like to get involved and meet the people and and yeah be on the ground as much as possible you still so, do that
0: with your startups as well don't yeah
1: you? and this is this is the this is the reason i'm doing that now in, in the startup space and then also being more focused here too because this is what i can do hmm. with the fund i don't think i'd be able to service a larger geography uh with with the fund of this size at this
0: but there's a space station. isn't there there's a gap in the market since we you know we chatted a lot about this about the startup ecosystem here in singapore and asia and there are a lot of people in the angel space and a there's not enough that can do multiple rounds but b there's not enough people who can actually add real value in the sense that they want to get involved people are almost like investing in as they would in a market right you know, yeah. it's kind of sort of hands off. Whereas, you know, when you came here last time, I was surprised to learn that you look at every single pitch deck that somebody emails you. Right? Yeah, I
1: even watched some of the um, videos too. Actually, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I yeah. mean,
0: you, you, but that you have to have. I mean, it reminds me, you know, like meeting Tony Fernandez the other day. He he just like likes that. He doesn't do it because he's like somehow following a strategy which says, oh, you have to go back to the shop floor. You know, he likes going to Newton Hawker Center and eating with people. You know, the locals. Yeah. He he likes because that that's like his vibe. I right? think well, this is
1: what you, like if you're if you're doing this and if you're trying to do it in a meaningful way, then you have to like that, you have to be predisposed to that those kind of activities because otherwise what are you in it for? If you just want to make money, sure like focus on your corporate gig, try to try to get ahead that way, or go and invest in the equity markets. Because if you were to invest in like the kind of the top tech names of the last five years, you would have got like as as I said before, you know, yeah. kind of four, four or five times your money of five years, that's a top quarter return for some of the VC funds. So if you're if you're if you're in this for the money, I think you you're probably in it for the wrong reasons. If you if you're in it to actually help people give back and you're you're genuinely curious. Like if you if you've actually spent the time in your career and you always wanted to take the entrepreneurial risk, but you never had the opportunity to, maybe it was because of family reasons, timing reasons, whatever. And then you now you 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 kinda can, but it's not say it's not worth it for you. You might just want to get involved in actually helping other people take that risk too, uh, mm. and, and live vicariously through them, yeah. As well, and I think that's that's going to be far more rewarding for people. You know, it's I, I look at it more as being about like uh, service uh, as opposed to being about it. Uh, looking at it like a zero sum game. I mean, that's why I didn't really like the hedge fund side of things so much because I knew it was always a zero sum game.
0: Do you think that that's sort of a you know a, a minority viewpoint in the world of venture capital let's say the angels who tend to be more like that or want to be more like that
1: i don't know if say a minority view because i think and it's just a different industry in that you're going to have multiple people, people that are going into a round so that aspect of it isn't going to be zero-sum um yeah some people are getting kicked out and others mm. in yeah then it is but I, I don't think that's the that's the general vibe but also it's because of the personality that you have to have you have to be more optimistic and think that things are actually going to go well to want to get involved in the industry. Yeah. So you, 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 you're you going to be less of that kind of zero-sum mindset. You know, an entrepreneur is trying to create value from nothing uh, or create markets that didn't exist before. So that in itself says that it's, you know, you're not trying to invest in zero-sum things.
0: Yeah, I was reading um, Jason Calacanis was talking about, um, you know, like his sort of routine is that when he sits with a startup and he hears their pitch, and he, he'll say, he'll write down, okay, so what could go wrong here? Okay, so the, the founder doesn't have enough experience, you know, the market could dry up and so on. And then he'll say, like, he'll rip up the piece of paper and start again and say, what could go right? And yeah. that sort of attitude, I mean, obviously, I mean, time will tell, but he's probably one of the most successful investors in his category, in especially in the US, right? So, But that sort of mindset, you're having to deal with people who are optimistic and saying, all right, okay, the numbers aren't all here, yet I see what that person can do. And in a way, you can only really get that if you're investing in people rather than spreadsheets as well, right? Yeah, You have to have that sort of frontline touching points with people as well, right?
1: Yeah, I'd love to say that there's like a a formula that you could overlay and just say, ah, no, we can look at the quantitative data and we can can understand what works, what doesn't work. Or these guys are going to do way better than these other guys. But I, I don't know, I think there's just like a massive touch and feel element at the end of the day and I like personally, I like to get away from that as much as possible to to be able to uh, institutionalize a process around it, and to a, to to degree like that's what Google Ventures has done. But I I still think at the early stage there's there's that massive of personal element because even if,
2: if if you're
1: investing in the right kind of people, even if they come up against some really difficult hurdles, they're going to be able to find a way to get around them, and, yeah. and they're going to have that resilience to stick through it. And that's probably something that you can only know from spending time with them, getting to know them.
0: Because mm. you like to get in early. Before you pull the trigger, you're in on you average how many them, yeah. months
1: do you think? It's always like two to three. Right. At least.
0: Yeah. yeah. A deliberate, do you, in that time, do you, you, you're quite hands-on or you're actively meeting them, having coffees. or how, how does that actually work? I mean, you, you want to get to know them and their business, right? And their why and all that stuff. How does that actually, is it sort of quite informal, that process? It
1: d- depends how the approach has been. Yeah. So some sometimes there'll be people who, are, who will just approach me and they'll want some help, advice. I don't mind giving a bit of time away and, and talking to people. Um, when I have the time to give. Um, and so might build up a relationship that way. Others I might seek out or we've been introduced through... A, the, the approach has been more of a formal approach and that, okay, I'm definitely looking at this as an investment and then kind of just go back and forth, doing doing the due diligence, asking questions about the business, going over the model, thinking through the issues that they're facing, um, solutions, because it, it's it's really difficult. And this is something that I always say to the startups that I meet, especially the guys that I don't end up investing in, is I, I always think it's worthwhile having a newsletter. So even if the investor doesn't want to invest with you at the moment then at hmm. least they they can actually build up a, a narrative they can build up a, a storyline as opposed to having dots because it's super hard when a startup goes to you hey we want this much cash and we've done this we're going to do this it's like okay but like how'd you get there a lot of the times there was a pivot something changed like it's it's really useful to know if you've been through the journey and I don't think it's that difficult to write you know just kind of nine bullet points out, basically. You know, this is what we, this is what we're working on. This is what what worked. This is what didn't work. This is what we're going to be working on. This is what we want help with. Like you, you get those kind of points down, and it's it's pretty easy. And I think it's super useful.
0: Yeah, and not enough people do it. Yeah, uh, because it's almost like you're investing in the investors long term as well, in that relationship, aren't you? And to think, okay, well, I, uh, there's a lot of pressure to close a deal or close around. So you're just focusing on the ones that look optimistic and here right now. Yet the ones who are maybes might just be timing, might just be that it's not all lined up for them yet. But like you say, it might be six months, 12 months down the line.
1: Yeah. There's one thing I like to be pretty firm on too. Like, okay, if it's, if there's a reason that I'm not in it, it's because of this. And okay, sometimes that comes back and kicks you because then they're like, okay, we hit that now. And now what? Okay. Yeah. Um, Well, it's, but then it's like, it's pretty simple because if you honestly meant that, then it's like, okay, well, they've ticked the boxes. We can go forward. Yeah. Um, given maybe there's some other things that happen at other gates through through the due diligence process but I think as an investor I think you owe it to the the entrepreneurs to be honest about the reasons that you're stepping out
0: Mm. I like it okay let's uh, change gears a little bit here I'm going to put Sam on the spot. And by the way, um just so you know, none of this is rehearsed and he doesn't have any prior knowledge of the seven startups that we're going to talk about now.
1: Maybe though, I don't know.
0: You might know who they are. So if you do, put in the disclaimers, yeah. right? Cuz I mean you do, you've probably seen every pitch deck that's out there. I think you do get a lot of volume come your way. Um but not all of them. So I want to start with a little bit of fun first. I'm going to present you with their names and I want you to guess from their names what you think they do. And you if you have no prior knowledge, it's a little bit unfair, yeah. but then life's unfair. So, are you ready? Yep. Okay. I'm going to give you a startup name. If you've heard of them before, then I'd like to hear your answer as okay, well, yeah, See so yeah. if it's stuck with you, all right? You say, oh yeah, those guys, I might have met them. Okay. You ready? One, biorhythm. What do you think they do? Oh, it's
1: be something monitoring the, monitoring your heart, probably using IoT devices.
0: Very good. Excellent. Reset. Maybe it's like a mindfulness thing.
1: I, I don't know. No, nah, I, I haven't.
0: Do you know of. who these people are? Nah. It's bloody good.
1: Maybe it's just good name choices.
0: Well, there you go. I mean, these <laughs> are real startups. You've got them, both of them spot on. wikimedia Media. W-I-K-A Media.
1: Something like an informational, maybe it's like informational videos they provide.
0: Okay. I don't know. No. I'm going to tag them anyway. Let's see what they think. Absolute. Like the vodka, but with an E, as it should be spelled. I think I have seen this one. I can't remember. No, I can't remember. This is a really interesting in branding exercise, right? Because you've seen a lot and just how memorable these are. Absolute technologies. All right, next one.
1: No, other than data science, I got nothing. I got nothing.
0: Essay Jack. Like S-A? No, S-A as in... Oh, S-A, right. Yeah, S-A Jack. Someone who writes your
1: school assignments for you? <laughs> 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 That's
0: actually pretty good. Uh, be, inclusive. be inclusive. That's a,
1: something in the social media space so.
0: okay that was a good guess i mean that was a, a good go-to guess not nearly close enough all right last one Panelit.
1: Panelit. pan like uh film, something to do with film or you yeah, kept kept photo oh yeah that's, <laughs> <I got nothing. laughs>
0: that's panasonic isn't it um yeah all right, very interesting. I thought that was a very good exercise because you, you see a lot of startups on a regular basis and just see how, I'm, obviously, not everything's dependent on the name, but just are they memorable? Does it fit in a box? And obviously, does it create imagery in your head? Man,
1: that was a flame out. I thought I started well.
0: You did, you did actually. I don't know if we put the easy ones up front, but um, we'll, we'll tag them and see what they think. This is what an investor thinks of your name. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what I want to do now, now that we've introduced them, I want to um, have a look at these guys and their pitches. So we've got a couple so that have talked about different elements of what they do. And I just like, bear in mind that, you know, for all fairness to Sam, he doesn't know anything about what they do. And obviously, he's never met any of these companies, or he might have done, but doesn't remember them. He hasn't seen the pitch decks. He have not seen the financials. So you're just going to react to what they say based on purely what you see. Okay. Yeah? So that's that's the disclaimer out of the way. All right. So Barrett's going to help us with the video here. Um, I want to maybe start with... Uh, let's start with some of the ones that you, you didn't get. Let's do Wikimedia. Can we get those guys, Ronan Benzon? Yeah? All right. So what we're going to do is show you what they do, and hopefully we can get the sound on in this and then um, I'm just gonna ask you to just watch this now, and then um, I'm gonna ask you some questions. Cool, Three mm-hmm.
2: roll? So this is a special build of the app that we prepared for yeah. the interview. It doesn't normally work unless there's a movie or a TV show playing yeah. in the background, right? So the way this works is you've got your app,
0: yeah, let's get that up on the screen. So, right. Yeah, If you just hold it a little bit closer to this one, yeah, all let's talk right. us through.
2: So you've got your app, and yeah. then you turn on the TV, the movie you want to translate uh, is on the screen. Mm. You hit identify, and it will look up what the title is. Okay, yeah. so it's found out what the movie is. And it shows you all the available options
1: uh, that, in this case, are the official languages that are available for this title. Mm-hmm. So...
2: Let's say you click, uh, I don't <laughs> think it's going to play without the original. Uh, well, yeah. That's cool. Let's jump in here. The sound on the TV.
0: All right. Cool. All right. Now, a live, you must have had founders pitch you live demos, show you their apps and so on. Yeah. Do those work for you when people say, oh, I want to show you my app? Do those t- generally What's your sort of feedback on? Because I definitely people- want to touch
1: and play with it if it's if that they they have that and it's available. Uh, the most frustrating thing I will say is when founders go here, let me show you a video. When they have your time and it's just like no man, like don't, no, like don't don't. You can put the video in an email, follow up with it later, whatever. That's cool. But if you have the like if you actually have the app, yeah.
0: What's wrong with a video? Is it just a waste of your time when they could explain it to you better?
1: Well, yeah, if it's a video showing a demo of the app or something like that. Oh,
0: like, I see. Oh, you mean, video, oh, you know, yeah, yeah okay. You want the yeah. live demo, you want to play yeah. with it and touch it. Okay.
1: Yeah, like if, if, they, if they have your time, yeah. like use it. It's better to have their personal interaction yeah. as opposed to saying, okay, so just for five minutes, I'm just going to get a coffee and just watch uh, watch this yeah. so you know what we're talking about. Right. Yeah.
0: I mean, it's an important point, isn't it? That you should never forget that they are interacting with you, yeah. Rather than trying to demo their product, they want to kind of gauge your reaction and sort of build that rapport with you, right? Yeah. Um. So those guys were Wikimedia. Did you work out what they did?
1: Yeah. So it's so it's like the oh, it's like, it's um. I'm drawing a blank here. But but basically, they can take a a movie, they can pull out the subtitles. Yeah. So, do the subtitles then run on your phone to the movie?
0: I guess it's asynchronous. Like I mean, I think that the phone... I mean, you could watch the movie on a laptop and have that, I guess. Or you could have the... Yeah. It's kind of interesting. But then what do you do? Do you have the
1: phone... You have to have the phone in front of you to... So then, what are you watching? Are you watching the phone to read the subtitles? Are you watching the TV?
0: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, how do you watch? It how must do you, be together. You how can't do you, watching, how, do you, how
1: do you look at Twitter when you're when you're watching the movie too? Then, like, you can't. All right, Roland.
0: <laughs> <laughs> answer. Like, he wants I, to know. You're in a dialogue now. Yeah, I, I don't know. Interesting. Right. I mean, it, obviously, we didn't give him like you know enough bandwidth to answer all these questions but i'm just interested about how that whole thing people like do demos and so on it's tough isn't it doing live demos yeah especially it's, like in a crowd or to an investor and so on how to ace that oh,
1: sound how and that's the thing i was thinking of it's kind of like sound right sound will will pick up the song that'll pick up the movie and then it'll yeah. give you the rest of the stuff i don't it's it's kind of interesting and if if the subs and dubs if they're already available then that's pretty pretty good i don't know if it I know the tech is actually quite hard to build if they're building it from scratch. So I'd I'd have to dig into that, but yeah, it's yeah.
0: Does it, does that? I mean, if somebody like pitched you that and showed you that sort of one minute at a networking event, would you be interested to talk to them more? What's the next thing you want to know about them if you did?
1: That's probably not one for me, just like because of the, the spaces playing in the spaces that I will want to be playing
0: in. Um, if but you'd clearly let them know say they're not interested in the space it's just
1: it's just not yeah it's just not my focus area
0: okay um well that's good because you're not you're not wasting their time either and you said but maybe you speak to these guys all right i want to i want to introduce another one as well um essay jack which you said was
1: i don't know i know it's a big market is writing essays for other people right so
0: (laughs) all right i I know it's interesting when when we um uh the last time we went through a whole bunch of pitch decks one of the things you 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 fed back to me rightly was that it would be good if some of these startups had structure to their pitch deck and maybe even looked at the sequoia pitch deck yeah which, which starts i mean you've got the statement and then you have like slide one effectively the problem start with the problem yeah so um you know when we have people come in the studio we like them to start with the problem how well can they articulate the problem and understand it. So let, let's have a look at SA Jack. I want you to sort of have a listen to this one and maybe, you know, maybe give your, your reaction. If somebody said, hey, look, we're SA Jack and this is the problem. What do you think of their interpretation of it? I've identified it straight off the bat, which is Students cannot write. Yep.
2: and and you know what? They're they're not alone. So we've really focused on the students can't write. Right. But many of us I think can't so, yeah. write. Um, right. You know, it, it's it's a quite quite a global problem. I mean, I think the statistics are something like U.S. businesses spend three point two billion dollars hmm. a year In on writing, writing remediation. remediation for people who already have jobs. Like that's
0: <laughs> writing I've, remediation. Yes. Is so that, that a thing?
2: Yes. Oh, right. it's an expensive thing. Is I mean, that like
0: courses, like professional development? Yeah, so it's,
2: it's where oh. you basically bring in like a consultant right, and yeah, say, yeah. oh, I'll pay you a whole bunch of money to come and teach my staff um, how, how to how write right. documents. <laughs> there <laughs> are writing consultants, for example, in Toronto working right. with uh, junior lawyers who bill as much as the lawyers do, $400 an hour. Wow. They teach those lawyers what school write should have done. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: All right, so w- where's the fundamental problem? And I completely agree with you because I consider myself a writer. In- mm-hmm. Some aspects of what I've done, I've written books, mm-hmm. and I find it quite frustrating that you know people think they can write because they've been to university and they wrote a okay. ten thousand word essay and yeah. that one there. So, so, what they teach people to write,
1: or they shortcut the process.
0: So, they have a platform which teaches people to write. Okay. So, yeah, you, you know, I mean, this is my understanding of it. They can do a better job of telling you if that was the case, but yeah, it, it's like giving you access to tools to help you write better, which is mainly part of the teaching. Because actually, there's a lot of tools which they can claim can help you write better. Yeah. It's sort of the science behind the art, if you like. Yeah. How how do you think about their articulation of the problem?
2: I thought it was interesting. It's
0: reasonable. Uh, Especially with the
1: examples. Like, I had no idea that there were people who were basically charging out the same amount as lawyers, helping lawyers to write. But it's just like, like... this is, this is this is something i've been thinking about recently too is like writing is actually a, a really valuable skill and there are very few people who can really succinctly put their thoughts in words and to me it's really important because i'm constantly trying to write uh, just to clarify my thinking some of the times when i'm trying to when i'm writing out a thesis or in writing you know the, the ideas that i'm having and i just can't i can't logically make them flow and it's like okay well then this is wrong mm. okay so great like i've learned something and something else that I don't know. Um,
0: Do you think there's a market there?
1: Oh, I didn't really understand what what they were
0: selling. Tools How, to help you write. Who they're selling it to? Um, could be corporates, could be students. I mean, obviously, we we only saw thirty yeah, seconds. Uh,
1: like, maybe there's maybe there's it's probably a market there. Like, I it's super frustrating for me because like I did I'll tell you something actually. So. I yeah maybe I wasn't always a great great writer I, I'd actually failed English in high school managed to get into law though uh <laughs> passed on the recount um so because I just I didn't really see how it was so difficult I didn't put much time and effort into the exam because what it was doing is just like you know you're regurgitating essays that you spend all year trying to cre- you know create a craft or whatever um, so I kind of did the the bare minimum there. I actually spent a lot of time playing tennis in that English class, and then so yeah, then, then I managed to actually get through law. But then in law, I mean, we were writing we were writing essays all the time. I was surprised when we compared like what, what we were doing at my law school versus the the other law schools in New Zealand. They a lot of the a lot of them would only have to write one two essays to get to the end of their degree. For us, it was a couple. Every paper, every semester, it was just like constant. And while I didn't like it at the time, I think it taught a really good discipline. And now it's a, a hell of a lot easier to be able to write. So yeah, I think it's. I think there's there's probably a market there for the people that haven't been able to have that experience and and take the time to do that. But at the same time, it's like it's one of these. It's one of those skills that people aren't going to really pick up or improve on unless they they really do want to improve themselves. Mm. So. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's, yeah, there's probably, market. I've got no idea what they go to marketers well. or.
0: You, you you know, I mean, you told a personal story about your writing, for example, when when somebody explains a problem to you in like a pitch, ha, do, I mean, there's a lot of focus, for example, on, like, you know, scratching your own itch and personal pain points and personal stories. Is, does that, is that always necessary? Or is it just like, here's the problem. There are people who can't write. Th- those guys are, were actually university professors. So they come from that world, so they see ah, that, right? Yeah. So they, yeah, they've seen. Yeah, okay, I
1: get that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, it's with it's a bit so, more
0: bandwidth, they could have told that story, right? Yeah, um, but
1: if okay. So actually, some some relative some relevant feedback there is: if they were going to present that problem, it would be far easier to say like this: this is the this is the the. the uh, do you say? This, this is the example you know the, 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 this is the target client and this is yeah. the problem that they have and this is how we're solving it because there was like there was a lot of waffle it was interesting around the facts that they put in there but I kind of just wanted to know but like what does the product really look like and who have they created that for because like on the problem statement what I'm generally looking for is something that uh, resonates with me something that It's probably something that I've thought about before or something that I can easily grok onto. I I think entrepreneurs get themselves into a problem when they are really trying to get an investor to understand the problem and and get them on board because then they have just such a long educational journey ahead of them to get them up to speed with the
0: product. Right, yeah, yeah. I mean, mean, with all fairness to those guys, they only had 30 seconds to explain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the whole... yeah you know do you think that, for example if an investor's not in on on the problem then it, it's, the deal can even just go ahead? Do you think it's lost at that point if if you if if the investor doesn't get the problem that you're trying to solve
1: I mean, it's got to be such a low probability I don't know no right. idea our numbers on this, but it's got to be such a low probability if they don't get it the first time, yeah, and then they come around unless they have something other something extraneous that happens to them and then they go oh, yeah, okay, now now I understand why that's important.
0: Right. Yeah, because maybe they hadn't seen that problem before, but now yeah. you need to do some data. Like in the,
1: the section Twitter book, there was a free edition of the VVCs there. He heard about the pitch, didn't like it, didn't care, went away on a fishing trip. His son was all over Twitter. He was like, yeah, okay, i got to actually look into this in more
0: detail right, right.
1: And, and got involved. So, yeah, yeah. okay, there's some other external event there that happened Anyone to get involved. Otherwise, it's, I think it's really
0: hard. Yeah. When when somebody's pitched you a problem, how, have you sort of, have they sort of stuck with you? Like, you know, is there great ways of doing that? Is there a sort of a really effective way of doing that? Because I I don't think it's always necessary and sometimes it can be overdone. Like, I think storytelling is a great way of doing it. However, sometimes like when I watch TED Talks, I wish they just say, yeah. just just tell me what it does <laughs> rather than like, okay, I don't yeah. need like the, like, okay, I was five years old working on a farm in Africa. I don't need all that, right? Because it's like, it becomes formulaic. It's easier
1: to do one-on-one as opposed to if you're doing it with a crowd because I like, I like, okay, this is what it is. And if I want to know more about that, I'll d- ask questions, we'll dig down to it and we can have a conversation about that. And then give me the story, okay? Then I want to know like the full hmm. story. But if, it's, if you're presenting to a crowd, then that's, that's way more difficult, right? What do you put across? Do you put across the full uh, story? Uh, yeah, okay, yeah, I think you can if you're a really good storyteller and you can get to the point relatively quickly, but I'd still like to you know, kind of use the pyramid principle and actually ha- yeah. have, have have some kind of guidance as to what you're going to get to and then build it out from there.
0: If, if a startup founder has like identifies a problem but it has no sort of personal connection with it? How does that sort of resonate with you? Is that an is that an issue? For example, you said, look, you know, maybe I've worked in finance and I understand there's this problem with, you know, like, you know, people's attitudes towards saving, for example, but, you know, it's just like they've identified a problem, but they don't have anything personally attached to it. How does that work with you? Is that an issue at all? Because I know some people say look, they want to see some of the personal investment in that problem. Like it's affected yeah. you or- But then
1: you're gonna get uh you're gonna get Guys who are doing more social impact companies, right? Like so, they they might be creating solar batteries, solar panel, solar batteries uh, that they're putting on roofs in Burma. Um, done not living in Burma, later, but that could you know that's still a very relevant problem that they're solving. You know, the the, the grid doesn't extend out to all of the, the places there.
0: Would that not? So, that's not a showstopper for you. The no, fact, they've never lived there. Or- I
1: I, th- I think the thing the thing that's most important though is that they have they 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 do have some kind of I suppose expertise network. What I'm, what I'm always looking for though, is, is like why them why now?
0: Yeah,
1: this is something I always ask myself as, as well. Like why me why now? But like why them why now? And do they have some kind of compelling unfair advantage? Yeah, yeah. that allows them to do this
0: because somebody else could come along and say like I'm gonna yeah. do this right and okay this guy actually lives in Burma and he speaks. But yeah. me, et etc., cetera, et cetera, right? Yeah, because then you have to work out whether or not that converts. His uncle's doesn't. in the government. Great. Yeah, <laughs> check. We yeah. Do, we're in. Okay. Cool. Um, I want to do the reset one because I think you identified that one. Have a look mm. at it, and I think you know it's how do you? Uh, and we're not going to talk necessarily about the um, product itself, but how founders validate products, and then when they talk to you how that sort of works with you in the sense that you're you're hearing somebody talk about something that they've built but you're looking for some kind of how have you validated this thing right so um, so this is Shen Shen Xiaoying she's just going to talk about her story and how she's going out and validate I want to hear your sort of reaction to this kind of a founder do you want to roll?
2: I think the idea when it first came out was quite different. So I went to actually all my friends, uh, mostly in the legal industry, but some are in, I would say in the investment startup world, and to ask for their opinion about the concept of reset. Mm. And I did get a lot of uh, feedback, especially on the positioning, because initially it was really about uh, divorce and Mm. the pain and Mm. how do you resolve the conflict. So uh, positioning is one thing. How do you promote this uh, application? Uh, how is it going to sit well with the public um, policy? And also in in this part of the world, it's still quite a, an issue to talk about mm-hmm. it openly and promote it openly. And then also about the market. How big is the divorce market, even though the trend is rising? How how big is the market in terms of actual people who use this service, right? And compared to, of course, the offline lawyers and mm. what they are doing. So okay, that so maybe has we just kind of
0: pause me. that one there. Right. so was it? Was yeah, it, so so reset. I mean, was, obviously, she can do a better job of it. So reset is focused was in focus initially on divorce and like mindfulness and the fact of like mental health and divorce, and mm. particularly like helping lawyers. And, and working with their clients so that's sort of where it started it's sort of evolved from that to be more about mental health generally
1: yeah it makes more sense because it's just a way big market if somebody
0: yeah. comes to you and says uh, you know this is related to divorce and it's not an exciting subject obviously it's a it's a subject where there's money because you involve lawyers but not yeah. necessarily a high growth industry how, how does that sort of work with you and when you sort of hear that sort of Whole hustle about going out and talking to people about it. Um
1: well, this one's this one's a bit easier one though to get a little bit of traction on it as well because then they can they can actually put it out to users. So, like going and saying, I, I talk to my friends, I talk to lawyers. It's like, okay, like yeah, mental health is an issue. I go, we we think I think I think you can intuitively just agree that people are going to be going through mental anguish if they're going through a divorce. So, getting some kind of external feedback on that, I, I, I don't care. Like, hmm. it it's it, it, it's fair enough, uh, but. I think what is more interesting in that situation is like, was the solution novel and, and you know, how are they actually pushing that out to the right people? Uh, mm. That's that's something I wasn't that, that clear with.
0: Yeah. yeah. And it's, it reminds me of that sort of Peter Thiel question. It says like, what do most people disagree with you on? What's that fundamental truth? Because, you know, maybe everybody agrees that mental health is an issue. Nobody's saying that's not an issue. And yet, people say like all that sort of negativity related with divorce is an issue yet what are you doing differently do you, do you i mean i, I always wonder when he asked that question i can understand that he's asking that because he's looking for that unicorn or that huge hit yeah because obviously he has the resources to be involved in those kind of investments do or are you looking for or is it a necessary part when you sit with an investment or hear a pitch that they're thinking differently about the problem to everybody else maybe they just have really good execution maybe they say yeah this is mental health we're going to deal with it because we just have really good execution or are you looking for somebody who said look everybody thinks it's like this i'm looking for the guy who's got the bit of the crazy idea that people have you know it's getting everyone,
1: everyone would like to say that that's what they're going after too but then you meet the crazy guy and everyone's like nah i'm out so it's if you were to look at it on a matrix, it's like you want to be non-consensus and right, right? You, and to do that, you have to be willing to be wrong for certain periods of time.
0: You, as an investor, or the startup founder,
1: both, okay. right? Like, like is is is, is you, you both? You're going to be sometimes you're going to be probably wrong on the idea and and wrong on the people. Sometimes you're just going to be wrong, like the 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 con- you're going to feel like the investment is going nowhere. It's going to feel like it was wrong for a period of time until other people caught on to it, and that's kind of the ideal, right? Because then, yes, you're in the right space, but it's it's taking time for everyone else to catch up and and switch onto your way of thinking. So that's the ideal that you're aiming for. But then, in reality, being able to get to those situations is, is very difficult too, because like. I think if you if if you were to go and have a look at what the startup startup ecosystem over in the belly looks like generally, I mean most of those guys uh, have come through kind of like Ivy League undergrad to postgrad and then they go out and they start a startup and like you know holy shit that's, that's crazy like they're going to have hundreds of thousands of dollars in student debt and then they're able to go out there and live for themselves for a while like the, those those kind of people generally aren't going to be non-consensus. Hmm. Uh, over here, I think, I think you probably find that it's somewhat similar. The people who come from certain schools have certain backgrounds, it, it is definitely going to be easier for them to do things in life. Um, so they're going to be perceived as more successful. They're going to be the ones that typical VCs are going to want to fund more so. So getting the, getting the weird guys coming up from some unusual background, like most people are going to run a
0: mile. This is a really interesting point because we talked about this in the last time that we were on air about that the most, the best ideas come disguised as bad ideas. Yeah. So that, how do you deal with that? Because it's like, you know, I could show you all these different pictures and you might think, nuts, oh, it's a good idea, it's a good idea, this guy's crazy, look at the way he's dressed, like, he speaks funny, he looks funny, you know, he doesn't come from Stanford, all that kind of stuff. So you, the natural sort of, like, signals are putting you off, right? Unless you've sort of honed in on that. How do you deal with that? I mean, you know, that this must be the challenge of being an investor. People think yeah. it's just like doing the, the numbers, isn't it? But you're looking for something... How do you sort of identify that? Like, you know, if you sat with these pictures, yeah, this is
1: this is the touch and feel aspect, right? That we talked about before. It's like I know it when I see it, right? But then, do I really know it? I don't know. Like, this, it's I, is it a gut thing? A, yeah, I have a feeling about oh. what I'm looking for generally, and also the the people that you're looking at. Maybe they they're really strong in some areas and really weak in other ones, and so that's that could be the signal, right? Like they they're great. They're great with product they're great with the tech side of things love solving problems horrible people they're completely autistic right like cannot hold a conversation together okay like may- maybe that's actually a good thing because if they can get the other right founders on that can right. complement the, the 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 skill sets where they're lacking that's a pretty powerful combination and then
0: yeah i think that's, I mean, that's that's pretty interesting have you, have you met a a, f- a founder that was one of those weirdos <laughs> with all due respect because i think a lot of them are kind of strange but you sort of saw yeah, something there's
1: one there was one that I was definitely like oh this guy's a little bit unusual but i'll have a call anyway
0: and did he- you invest in them
1: no i didn't completely I, I didn't i didn't believe in the kind of problem solution statement he was putting out there Right. Uh but i like full credit to him uh because he, had, I think he dropped out of high school. He was he was definitely a little bit eccentric, but he was like, um, I gave him a bit of feedback after the call, and he said, "Oh yeah, I'm going to do this anyway." And I think he's he was still cracking along. as like, I, I I was just like, I was impressed. I was impressed by his hustle, the way that he was going about things. When he could have taken the complete opposite perspective and been like, right. "Oh, life's unfair. I haven't been given these same opportunities as other people." Da da da, and I'm. I'm I'm pretty confident that that guy, maybe not on this idea, but on one of the ideas, he will crack it if he can kind of keep keep at it and, and build a bit of structure in there. Um,
0: That's tough though, isn't it? Because yeah. it, it could go either way. Yeah. He could end up like you say and just, you know, w- because he, he, he receives constant rejection for that kind of yeah. behavior, it then might in some way limit him with access to the resources that he needs to make that happen, right? Yeah, this this
1: is why some of the best... Uh, Entrepreneurs have got to be just a total optimist, yeah, and just always see the positive. And he, uh, he, he, he seemed like he had the right kind of personality. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I'm always keeping this uh, contra portfolio, right? Like all the, uh, yeah. the things that I see and I don't invest in. The reason I don't invest in them, and kind of returning to that from time to time, like, okay, is that how is that one going? Why is that one going well? Should I have, should I
0: have changed the way that I made the decision then? Because is that an actual portfolio which only you see? Which you say these are the ones I didn't do. These are the ones I yeah. didn't take a call on, and you actually keep a log on them yeah. and go back to it. And obviously, your actual portfolio is outperforming the anti-portfolio, right? Oh well, I don't know
1: <laughs> because a lot of the stuff's private, right? So I don't know what the you know, valuation, substance, oh, looking yeah, okay, like right. too. and also, right, yeah. right.
0: okay, yeah. But that's that's the idea anyway. At the end, yeah, of the... Yeah. Right. yeah.
1: Well, <laughs> okay. like if if there's I'll... some that come through, become unicorns, okay, like great that's awesome for them. But know, I'll learn something from it as well. At yeah.
0: Least. What have you learned from looking at the anti port, the contra portfolio as you call it, and actually going back and having a look at it? Do you actually sort of log as well your interactions and say the reasons why you didn't invest in this company, like a journal? I'm oh, not so much, not that much detail, no. but you just kind of keep them on file.
1: Yeah. I, like I'm still, I'm still learning things through the process and it's, There, there haven't been there haven't been any situations that have occurred so far, and this is probably just because I've only been doing this for a couple of years, where I've been like I massively made a, a wrong decision because I was using the wrong metrics, the wrong right. mindset, the wrong framework. or oh, you know, I, I just wasn't looking at it the right way. Um, some of these you know, it's, it's it's very inductionist too. You know, some of these companies, they, they it's a very easy liquidity environment. So they could be like the Thanksgiving Day Turkey and everything's going really, really, really well until it's not. And I don't know that yet. And yeah, I've probably yeah. got some of those in the portfolio too. And I don't know that yet. So I have to, yeah, I just, I just I, I'm constantly aware that there's, there's blind spots in my process and I'm trying to fix them.
0: What do you think? I mean, if we were to sit here a year from now, what do you think? you would have liked to have improved as a VC about what you do that you're still sort of learning about that you know what are the areas do you think that I'd really like to get better at that
1: other than being able to like add value through some kind of like formal process it's actually just to to, to have more of a network to be able to reach out and make the connections to the companies in the industry regardless of not uh, regardless of whether i'm investing or not and and, and building out on that aspect i think that that would be the biggest area for me that that i'd want to want to improve on
0: yeah but you, you actually i think this is the you know where we started the the conversation today you you actually enjoy that that's not for you a yeah. cost is it you know that's the, i think for a, a traditional vc not they're not all the same but the the image is that part of the 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 job is a cost part. You know, you talked about service, yeah. right? It's almost like that's the cost. Yeah, center. and depends. Like this is again
1: like, what, what's your personality like? And I'm, I guess I would classify myself as more like a, an extrovert or introvert. I like talking with people until I don't, and then I've just got to lock myself away in a room for you know, a couple of hours, couple of days, and recharge. So yeah, yeah I, I I do like to get out there, and I don't like I don't view these things as zero sum. I don't care to connect other people. I don't. I don't think like, oh, okay, maybe they're going to have a better opportunity. Um, and this. I, I don't really suffer from the FOMO as much.
0: Yeah. I that's think, a key point. I think
1: it's, you know, there's, there's always another bus coming around the corner. So it's, I think it's easier for me to be able to let some of these things go. Also, like, I mean, coming from a background in finance too, I, you know, I've, I've been aware of the psychological biases for a long time. And I, I I've tried to create ways to deal with them. Some of them I think I've dealt with a little bit too
0: well. And that... Um, what do you mean? Like like FOMO, for example. Because oh, that, those that those is those. definitely a thing for both startup founders and investors. Certainly, it's a, it's a fear that they can play on to get investors to pile into a deal. And yet, at the same time, I think investors... Just, yeah, just it's just being,
1: just being aware of some of my biases and sometimes I'll overcorrect. Right. S- which... Yeah, I, I think that that could have cost me, right? Because then yeah, I'm just very strong-willed. So if I if I know that okay, my personality is trying to edge me towards this way, and I'm like, no, no, this is what I sh- this is what I should be doing, and I have some kind of framework that suggests that this is the way that it should be. It's like, no, I will not let my gut overrule me this time. And some of those times, there's a reason for that gut feel, and I, I, and, and I don't go go with it. I mean, that's. It's that's probably one of the issues with the biases, but I think a lot of the like a lot of the younger angels that are they're, they're getting into the scene too, they're just unaware of the, those biases. Like, yeah, yeah. You I just think- want to jump on with every, everyone else and to get those really great opportunities, you've got to be able, willing to do the uncomfortable things at the right time.
0: Yeah, and, and team up with other people as well to yeah. kind of watch out for those blind spots. Um, uh, yeah, and this has been a really interesting conversation. I think you know, as, as I've got to know you as well over these conversations and our offline conversations as well, is that. You know one of the things I'm always impressed with you Sam is that and I think anybody that gets this from spending time with you you're super disciplined like mm. you you don't drink coffee obviously that's a thing and that that's no small thing either um you run like ultra marathons up in Used the Himalayas to.
1: I did once once
0: I mean yeah. but once is enough right uh, you weren't running in the death zone or anything but still you were up there running that's enough ultra what 50k 60K? 60 60k and um I yeah. think the, the, point, the point, I mean, obviously I'm impressed by something like that. I do Ironman myself. It, it, the point is, is that can come across as a little bit intimidating to a founder as well, especially if that, that comes on the other side of money. Do you know what I mean? It's like that. that that's uh, why I got the smile though, right? No, exactly. I mean, like that, that's the point is like, I think you're like a funny guy and you're like super friendly and you want to help people, right? And that is not the traditional view of an investor. Right. And especially like in that sort of initial reaction, interaction, you can be quite sort of direct. Yeah. and was a founder. But I think that's why that's I called you the Simon Cowell of yeah. the VC world. And I think it's because you, you win respect at the end of the day. It's not like you're doing it out of whim. Like, you know, I'm going to reject you because I've had a bad day. All that kind of thing you're doing, yeah. It
1: with like, well, it's, it's also like this is what I get really frustrated about. Is like, I think a lot of people in finance they just take themselves way too seriously, and they view themselves as like the, the these gatekeepers for capital. And realistically, it's the entrepreneurs that are out there they're risking everything, and they're the ones who are creating the value at the end of the day. And you, 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 you owe something to them.
0: Wow. Right? Yeah, I like the way you put it and it's, it's refreshing to hear that hey so listen this is um the first in a series of investor shows i'm going to put you on the spot who do we want to see in this studio i mean we've got some names like joseph McKenna is going to join us michael crow will come as well and join us in let's put a call out who what kind of people do you think if the 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 net result is that we want to help educate the startup ecosystem and encourage people to you know connect with you know both sides of the table right what kind of people do we need to see in here and you can name names as well by the way yeah. So you can tag them but who do you think what kind of people was it more anyone, who, anyone who's got a, got an opinion uh and,
1: and feels like they actually have a different perspective on things but I, because i think generally in asia the views are just homogenized uh you look at a lot of the investment firms and they they especially in singapore and they all kind of stem from one location so yeah, any, anyone who's who's out there that's doing something different that wants to kind of tell their story or just
0: Are there wants, to, wants to rip
1: pieces into me. So it's, it's, yeah.
0: You enjoy the challenge?
1: Yeah, it'd be good good to have a bit of spa. Yeah,
0: I think it'd be interesting. Definitely. I'd love that. And do you think there's enough VCs out there doing enough that's different, like have opinions or... You know, most of them are quite – I mean, they turn up at conferences and so on, but there's not enough actually publishing stuff like you or doing podcasts. I mean, there are – Yeah, the US this is the thing. Com-
1: this is the thing. I don't know. Where are they? But I think – I'm sure there are some, and I'm sure they, they do have opinions. And maybe it's just because they haven't had the platform before to be – or felt like they had the platform to be able to do that. So if there's – yeah, if there's others out there that want to, that would that be great.
0: Come. The challenge is is out there. We set, we've we've uh, put the challenge out there. If you are in that space, if you have, you know, a, a different view on – how things are, then we'd love to hear it and uh, create that platform as well. And I think hopefully startup founders can get a lot out of this as well. They can sort of listen and understand a, I mean, just like the, the sort of small clips that we shared, what kind of, you know, almost just, I think the basic starting point is to understand it from the other side of the table. You know, like how do they think, how does an investor view what I do? Cause I, I think people don't look it from that perspective. Like you have an idea about something or you think like this, that sort of empathy I think goes a long way yeah um sam thank you so much and you know thanks for agreeing to be a good sport and getting this started yeah thanks thanks for having me again yeah good. let's let's do more of this and let's get some people who can kind of maybe challenge you a little bit hold you to task
1: yeah just just difference of opinion i mean just anything anything that
0: that that, that would be challenging i think would be great Excellent. What's the best way to reach out to you? How, how do you like people contacting you and sort of what sort of context? And will oh, ping me on the email. Email? Yeah. Yeah. We'll put all the details in the show notes. And you, yeah. you're happy to people just ping you pitch decks? I don't yeah. Know you you, I get through my
1: I'm zero inbox.
0: Really? Yeah. I, you're super disciplined. I'll you like it, get up at three in the morning and just like knock out all your Don't emails. get up at three
1: in the morning. I make sure I get a good night's <laughs> sleep. That's something I, I do make sure because I used to. It's cut sleep because it's an easier thing to cut out, and it's it's actually okay if you want a book. If you want a book that's meaningful, yeah, the one on sleep. Because then I was like, yep, okay, this this makes a lot of sense. Joseph's been really, talking about that. Yeah, I th- I just think it's what well, what is
0: this book? He said to me. So Joseph McCarney, who is here, and uh, he's a um, healthcare investor. He's like a health tech investor, so He's like, yeah, this book on sleep I've been reading. He just every time I meet Joseph, he tells me about this book and sleep. What's what is, what am I missing?
1: Oh, we will put, we'll put the title on the show notes. So but uh, just how much it impacts your like your thinking your body it just uh, I, and i don't have the the facts at the top of my head but yeah it's, it's massive like anytime i've got a massive amount of issues i just sleep more and right. things seem to kind of calm down and then i have the capacity to be able to deal with what i need to deal with so it, it it works
0: there you go all right people there's a there's a throwaway tip for you sleep a bit more but anyway we'll be back next time and i think what we do for the next one as well um we will uh maybe put the call out and start getting people to write in write in to text in all that stuff with their their questions about the kind of subjects we'll we'll have a theme on a weekly basis do you think we could base it around a theme, like specific areas of vc bringing some guests to talk about those as well Yeah, yeah industries yeah cool All right, we're signing out. This is Graham Brown and Sam Kibb. We're in the Pitch Media Asia studio. Thank you so much.
1: Thanks, come at me.
0: (laughs) That was Pitch Deck Asia, powered by Pitch Media Asia. My name's Graham Brown. Pitch Deck Asia is a platform to give startups in Asia a voice. We give them a show to help them tell their story. And if you love these startup stories and like hearing more about the journeys of the founders. Go and check out our SoundCloud channel, which is available at pitchdeck.asia slash SoundCloud. That's pitchdeck.asia slash SoundCloud. Head along to the channel, subscribe, follow us, and feel free to leave a comment or a rating on our channel as well. We'd love to hear your feedback.